at the conference, there were about 10 sermons in total that we have heard from different preachers. I love every single sermon that we have heard, but the sermon that really struck me was the sermon given by Dr. Stephen Lawson. His sermon entitled, Complete and Equipped. This sermon today that I'm about to, to share with you was also inspired by Dr. Stephen Lawson's sermon. This morning, I will be quoting some of the statements that he said at the conference, and I also want to share with you. Last Sunday, Pastor Mike shared his experience and what he has learned from the conference. He shared with us on how to live and stand firm in regards to knowing our identity in Christ, standing firm side by side as brothers and sisters in Christ. And also, lastly, he said, going back to the basics. But the question is, or maybe some of us, forgot or don't, do not know what is the basic, right? So once we came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, one of the basics being a Christ follower is to get to know him more, okay? And how do we do that? We are so blessed to have his very word available to us through the Bible. This is our first year joining Legionary Conference. We have attended similar conferences in the U.S., but this one really convicted me to read the Bible. The conference helped me to understand more the importance of reading the Bible, understanding the Bible, and why we should and must read it and study it, especially our time. My goal this morning is to compel you to read your Bible. Compel is a really strong word. I'm forcing you to read your Bible. I hope and pray that we all learn from this message. And we are excited to hear God's message, regardless of who stands here and share it. Amen? Just wanted to share with you a story while I was having a conversation with Pastor Sonny about reading the Bible. He asked me if I like watching movies. And I said, yeah, I like watching movies. And he continued on. He's, he goes, what about Korean dramas? And I go, what about Korean dramas? <laughs> and he said, no, have you followed anything before? And you feel excited and eager to know what will happen next? And I told him with excitement, I said, yes. I remember watching and following Crash Landing on You. <laughs> I said, I remember when my wife and I made a deal that we would watch it together. But because I wanted to know so eagerly what would happen next, I cheated. So I did not wait for her because I wanted to know what happened next. And he goes, bingo. That's the point. When we, have, when we are reading our Bible, it's, you have to have the same feeling and excitement as we read it. We have to see the value of it. When you read the Bible, we are following the story of our, the, the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ, right? So when we read it, you always have to look for the seed, uh, Pastor Sani said. And I go, what, what about the seed? The seed is what's mentioned in Genesis chapter 3. That, the seed is Jesus Christ himself. I go, so the whole Bible is the story of Jesus. 
when we are reading the Bible, you have to look for him every book, every chapter, and see that and how it points to Jesus Christ, our Savior. So it, it is exactly the same when we are watching our drama series, right? Or anything that we are following. We should be excited more in reading our Bible and studying it. But sadly, we are more excited to read other books or to watch something that we believe that there's more value than reading our Bible. There's a story about a couple who invited their pastor to a dinner one evening. The wife was very excited to impress her pastor, making sure to use her expensive and brand new silverware that she only used for special guests, and she kept it in the china cabinet. So the dinner was success, and the food was good, and the evening had a good conversation. The dinner that they had, they, 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 they enjoyed it so much, so they, they share about their, what they've learned and what pastor is doing, and they're blessed. So the wife was overjoyed until the next day when she put away the silverware. She noticed that one of her spoons was missing. She asked her husband, have you seen the, one of the spoons is missing? And the husband goes, go look for it. Stop talking, just look for it, right? And she spent all week watch, uh, searching for it and became convinced that the pastor had taken it. <laughs> all right, so Sunday came around, okay, and after the service, she reluctantly approached the pastor. And pastor, she said, pastor, one of my silver spoons that we use the last time you came over was missing. I've searched everywhere. I turned my house upside down, but I could not find it. Have you taken it? Have you seen it? And the, and the pastor replied, yes. Where is it? I hid it in your Bible. Ouch. We, we may be laughing right now, but how many of us know where our Bible is? Our home, your electronic Bible in your phone does not count. All right? The sad truth is we have no desire to read and study the Bible. Maybe you just take it out and look for it on a Sunday. As Christians, this should not be the case. So why must we read it? Why, why must we read the Bible? First of all, I am assuming that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whom we say we love. Okay? Imagine telling someone that you love them, but not wanting to hear what they have to say. That is contradictory. Some of us may have grown in a, in a Roman Catholic tradition where we're used to hearing the priests sharing what we thought was from the from the Word of God without even cross-referencing the teaching against the Scripture. On the other hand, you might have grown up in an evangelical church and hear the gospel preach over and over frequently and have become numb of hearing it and can recite it, but has it transformed your life? Is it changing you? Do you desire to know and experience it yourself? 
by reading God's word or do you rely on a second-hand messages through words and music? These are all good, but, but as, as a born-again Christian, we are encouraged to read and study the Bible for ourselves. So we can discern if, I teach, if the teaching is biblical. Again, as mentioned last week, the theme for this year's Ligonier Conference was Stand Firm. Standing firm on what? So let's define the word stand firm. Webster Dictionary says, standing firm means to refuse to change a decision or to refuse to change a position. Let me repeat that. Standing firm means to refuse to change a decision or to refuse to change a position. In other words, standing firm is not to be easily moved. Standing firm means to disregard, to oppose, to hold, to withstand, to endure, to resist. In Tagalog, Tagalogin pa natin. Matibay sa kanyang paninindigan. Tumayo at matatag sa paniniwala. Tumindig at hindi matitinag sa paniniwala. Ang tanong ay, tumayo o manindigan saan? Standing firm on what? 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 says, Be on alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. To stand firm in the word of God means we will not bow down or give in or be persuaded to do anything contrary to God's will. It will be very difficult if the, the ground that you're standing on and the foundation of our faith is unstable or weak. If you are a, a follower of Christ, you will desire to know Him and you will try to imitate Him. As we read our text today in Psalm 119, we can see the principles, the command that should bring Christ to our mind in at least two ways. First, Christ lived out the principles and commandments of this psalm. In Psalm 119 verse 1 says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Jesus was blameless. In Psalm 119 verse 9 it says, Keep his way pure. Jesus kept his way pure. We can reference this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, which says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We can see this displayed during the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. When Satan tried to tempt him, remember, Jesus, uh, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And he did not have anything to eat. So we can say that uh, Jesus was his weakest point physically. Right? And Satan misused God's word, but Jesus knew the truth. So, he, so when he was tempted, he was able to counter Satan's lies and deception. Second, Jesus' very life gave the fullest expression possible of this word as he came as the very living word of God himself. 
Jesus is God's message to the world. We can see this in first, um, sorry, in John chapter one, verse verses one to one to four. As Christians, God commanded us to be like His Son, Jesus Christ. So we are also to live out this person, just like the prayer of our King David in Psalm 119. The whole chapter of Psalm 119 teaches us that God's word is a lamp to our feet. That is the heading if you read this, this, uh, this chapter. The question is, when we are being tested in our day-to-day lives, do we stand firm in our faith as Christians? When the situation is dark, the writer said that the Bible is to be the lamp to our feet. Now, if you don't know the Bible, I am 100% certain that we will be easily swayed or give up our identity as Christian just to fit in and to please this world. So how are we supposed to stand firm to, and to fight for our faith? 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But, when, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When a stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. It is the same thing when our faith is built in a foundation of Scripture. We will not be easily shaken. We can stand firm regardless of how great and how and how big is the storm or challenge that hits us? On the other hand, if we put our faith on a shallow foundation, you will be easily broken and destroyed. So let's start building our faith in the foundation that is solid rock. The Bible can prepare us and give us the courage to stand firm. Start reading the Bible by having a heart that is humble and a mind that is teachable. That's how you approach the Bible. Having a mind that is, uh, sorry, having a heart that is humble and having a mind that is teachable. So now, you probably ask me, how can I trust the Bible? How do we know that we can trust the Bible? If you don't trust the Bible, when you have a much deeper, I guess, um, issue that you need to, to settle. So if you haven't come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and do not trust the word, come to me, come to the pastor and leadership of this church. We, we will try to um, accommodate you. But how do we know that we can trust the Bible? First, the Bible is inerrant and infallible. Inerrant means incapable of being wrong. 
and invaluable means incapable of making a mistake. Need your attention here. Um, we're getting more theological here. Um, so because God is holy and without sin, he is perfect, and therefore, his word is also holy. Do you agree? Amen. Because he is perfect, and also his word that, that he, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, that all scriptures it breathed out of God. Right? So because God is holy, also the Bible and all the scriptures it breathed out of God is also holy. Here are other supporting verses. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. It says, God never lies. Hebrew chapter 6, verse 18. It is impossible for God to lie. John 17, 17. Your word is truth. Therefore, because God cannot lie, and all scripture is breathed out by God, his word is also holy, perfect, without, and without error. So everything that is recorded in the Bible is inerrant. So rejecting the Bible is the same thing as rejecting God himself. Second is the authority of the scripture. The authority of the scripture, because God is sovereign, sovereign means the one who exercises power without limitation. That's a sovereign. Or a supreme ruler. Meaning, he does not answer to anyone. God is who he is means he is utterly independent. He depends on nothing to bring him into being or support him or counsel him or make him what he is. Because God has the supreme authority of everything that he created, therefore his word has the authority to change you, to change me, to command you, to command me, and also to transform our lives. Amen? Dr. Stephen Lawson said, and I quote, The Bible must be the primary textbook of our life. This book brings us the truth about who God is and what, it, what God is like. How can we know God? Who are we? Why are we here? Where did we come from? What is wrong with the world? What is the solution? How are we to live? How may we know peace and happiness? What is marriage? What is family? How do you go to heaven? What is final judgment? Everything is on here. Okay, so the Bible can prepare us to be equipped and complete and equipped. So this is the book that, where we can find answers that are true and unchanging. It says in Matthew 34, verse 25, heaven and earth will pass away, but my, my word will not pass away. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. The Bible is more profitable than any other book that you will pick up. So therefore, the Bible requires us to get into a habit of reading. Because God has commanded us to learn and read it. Having a relationship with him, you'll find it here. As I mentioned, and I prayed 
that we will have the same excitement for the Bible as we do with other temporary things here on earth. Hobbies such as watching our Korean dramas, biking, collecting shoes, shopping, right? There is nothing wrong with having fun and being able to, to enjoy something that you love. But when we say that we love God and do not prioritize reading the word, you are missing the point. Get into the habit of reading the Bible. So the question is, how can we put this into practice? So every professing Christian have to have the hunger of reading the Bible. Dr. Lawson said, and I quote in John chapter 15, verse 2, the word of God is like a pruning knife. Right? So what does the pruning knife do? It cuts off the branch that is not producing fruits, right? So the word of God is also pruning us, right? Cutting back, so there will be a greater growth. Our Christian life would not grow one inch beyond our intake of the, of the word of God. So if you want to grow spiritually, your life, you must have put a prioritize, prioritize reading the Bible because there is no growth without it. Likewise, Christian parents, we need to have a deeper understanding of the scripture as we disciple our children. We cannot give something that we do not have, meaning if you do not study the Bible yourself, okay, and store it in our hearts, then we can only lead and disciple our children in the little knowledge that we have. I admonish all the fathers here today to take this lead and start today. So you're probably asking me, how, how do I start, Brother Philip? I'm going to give you some practical steps to take. The first is come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the gospel. Admit and realize that you need help to grow. Pray to God that will give you the desire to read his word, the Bible. Attend a Bible study group. We have, we have here Sunday school, men's and ladies fellowship to support you in this. And lastly, read it and study it for yourself. But you have to have that desire, so you ask first God to give you that desire. So as you study and learn God's word, it will elevate your view of God. It will help you to worship in the right manner. It will lead you and your service and your stewardship, knowing that your foundation is in Christ. To those who are serving in the ministry and also part of the leadership of the church, take care not to use this ministry as a replacement for sitting at the right, the right mind at the feet of Jesus. Remember the story of Martha and Luke? Sorry, Martha and Mary in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 42. I have experienced it firsthand where I thought I was involved in a lot of ministry. I thought I was spiritually strong. But 
Lo and behold, I became frustrated and burnt out. And I could not understand why. And I came to realize that serving in the ministry was not a substitute for experiencing God firsthand. So let's examine our heart and look at our motives for service. It should come from what Christ has done for us, and we need to keep growing in that knowledge. This love of knowing Him will overflow in our heart, and the result is to have a true and pleasing service to Him. Psalm 119, verses 1 to 16, displayed King David's desire to know and keep God's commandment and statutes. So let's pray to have the same heart as he did. We may not be able to fulfill all the criteria, but the question that I want to leave you before I close, are you seeking? Are you trying? I want to close in that sermon. Are you seeking and are you trying? Or are you just status quo? It is what it is. Let's pray. The Lord.